Open your Bible to Hebrews 9, and also open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians 4. 1 Corinthians 4. Hebrews 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this day. Lord, you're really awesome. And Father, the more that we walk with you, Lord, the more we realize just how awesome it is. Father, we, we ask you to make yourself known to us tonight. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. Minister to us. Teach us. Your word says, Father, that Jesus left, but he's going to leave for us a teacher. We invite that teacher here tonight. Lord, that we all know that we didn't hear from a man, but we heard from your Holy Spirit. We worship you tonight, Father. We invite you here. Welcome. Welcome into this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How do you measure yourself? How do you measure yourself? I mean, are you tall? Are you short? Are you fat? Are you skinny? What do you, <laughs> we were just having a little talk about that earlier, weren't we? We were talking about, well, we can do this with 20 pounds or 25 pounds or whatever, but that, how, how do you measure yourself? Do you measure yourself by the car you drive? Do you measure yourself by the job you have or by the people you hang out with? How do you measure others? You know, I think you should measure yourself by the way people measure themselves by you. Let me repeat that. Measure yourself by the way that other people measure themselves by the way that they looked at you and reflected you. Why is that? Well, because if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be reflecting Jesus Christ. Right? So if people are reflecting you in their lives, guess what? They're going to be reflecting Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean that the moment that you got saved, that you became Jesus. Of course, the good work he's begun in you, he will bring to completion in the day of Jesus Christ. And that is the day that you and I die or the day that we're raptured. But recently, I, I got to really think about this, this thing about how do you measure your life? What's it all about? I mean, how many times haven't we woken up in the morning and said, man, is this what it's all about? Is this all that I live for? I mean, my, my boss hates me, my wife hates me, my, my kids hate me, or the bills are late and the car is not starting and the dog bit me on my way out the door yesterday. I mean, just, I can't get anything right today. That's when we need to really seek the joy of the Lord, amen? <laughs> because, man, when, when people look at us and everybody's kind of baring their teeth, David said in the Psalms, they gnash their teeth at me. You know, the, 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 the one thing about the, the Middle Eastern folks is that, you know, if you watch them, if you've walked through uh, in New York and you watch the Hasidic Jews up there and stuff and you see them talking to each other and they're, they're all yelling in Hebrew, it looks like a, like a brawl is about to come out. They're shaking their hands and they're, man, they're getting all serious. You know, so, so of course, this is why, you know, David was so expressive in the, uh, in the Psalms. So recently, I, I, I went on a date night with my favorite date, my wife. I better say it's my favorite date, amen? No, she, she is my favorite date. My, my wife is my best friend. 
And, uh, and we, we decided that we were going to take a little time away and we were going to go out for dinner and a movie. Isn't that quaint? So we decided that we were going to go watch a movie called The Bucket List. Well, what is this bucket list? Well, we, we've got two great actors. We've got Jack Nicholson as Edward Cole, and we've got Morgan Freeman, and, and, and his name is Carter Chambers. Okay, and here you've got two guys that are excellent actors. And the, the coolest thing about the acting in this film is that really, you, you didn't really have to really stretch it too far to see that these are just two ordinary people that are just at different ends of the spectrum of life. Here you've got Jack Nicholson, or Edward Cole, as he was known in the, in the, in the film. Edward Cole was a multi-millionaire, or even billionaire. They never really let us know, but th I mean, he, he was rich enough to own the very hospital that they were in. And, uh, and he, and, and of course, in his infinite Jack Nicholson wisdom, when they asked him at one point, he said, well, you know, one of the things I want to do before I die is I want to, you know, kiss the most beautiful girl in the world. So Morgan Freeman says, well, how are you going to do that? And he just looks at him, he says, volume. <laughs> so I love it. I mean, it's just total Jack Nicholson. Great movie. Uh, and, and, and really, I, I really got to thinking here, here we've got Edward Cole. Okay, and, and by the end of the movie, he realizes that even though he has everything, he really, everything that the world has to offer, he really has nothing. Morgan Freeman, on the other hand, or, or, uh, or, 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 or Carter Chamber, well, he's a, he's a, a blue-collar guy, he, he's a mechanic, and, uh, and he poured 45 years of his life into his family. I mean, how many people can relate to this? He, he, you know, he was a, a young kid and loved, loved his girlfriend and loved her just a little too much and got her in a family way. But, you know, unlike maybe the youth of today, he decided to do the responsible thing and marry her and be a father and raise, him, and raise his children and, uh, and continued. He talks about in the movie that he wanted to be a professor. You know, he wanted to be a professor in, in school. And somehow he said he just never got around to it. He just, he, he, you know, the, just the, 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 the days got away from him. He said, you know, before you knew it, 45 years passed. But, you know, by the end of the movie, he realizes that, you know what, even though he hasn't had a lot of the material things, he's got, he's got the most that a man could wish for. And what is that? Well, folks, it's a relationship with your creator. It's a relationship with your wife or your husband, and it's a relationship with your family. Hey, listen, man, if you've got a relationship with God, you've got a relationship with your wife, and you've got a relationship with your family, it's awesome. Yeah, but Mikey, I don't have a relationship with my wife, or I don't have a family. What Then what? Well, then you know what? The ultimate, notice the le the, 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 the organ, the, the, uh, the, the listing, or the, the order I did this in. First of all, of course, is our relationship with God. See, if you stop right there, that's it. Ultimately, everybody else can let me down. But the one person, one, the one person that's never going to let me down is my Jesus. Jesus gave his life for me. Jesus, Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to teach me and correct me and to direct me and gave me eternal life. Man, what, 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 what else can any of you guys, I mean, I love you guys, but what else can you guys do for me? When you look at it from that perspective, but we, we, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're fleshly folk and we, we need, and God wants us to need a family, a wife, a friend, 
People that we can love. People that we can love on and can love us. You know, because at the end of the day, and I don't mean just the end of the day, I'm talking about the end of our life day. We want to get home and we want to hear good job, good, well done, good and faithful servant, right? And how do we do that? Well, we do that by living a life for Christ. But does everybody have that? Do you, do you think that Edward Cole and his millions of dollars, do you think that he had that? I don't think so. Here's a guy who said clearly, I've never been sick. I've never been sick. And now he's faced with, you know, with, a, with, an, a, with a, a disease, a terminal disease. Both of them had cancer and they both had less than six months to live. And where's the name the bucket list comes from? Well, one day, they're, they're, you, know, uh, you know, Jack Nicholson's a crabby old dude and, and, uh, and so is, uh, so is uh, 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 Morgan Freeman, of course. They're just, you know, kind of internalizing and, you know, trying to, trying to keep their chins up. But Morgan Freeman is, of course, a little, he's a little more, a little more spiritual, but at the same time, you know, he's dealing with chemotherapy and all this other stuff. And, and it's hilarious because you see, you know, Jack Nicholson, uh, he's, got, uh, he's got their delivering filet mignon to his room and all this other stuff. And, uh, and he's telling Morgan Freeman, would you want any of this? He's like, no, 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 I don't want any of this. And he says, why not? Well, oh, don't worry, you'll see. And of course, next scene you see him <laughs> throwing up everywhere because he just went through chemo himself. <laughs> you know, no more filet mignon for uh, Jack Nicholson. And, but, you know, he, he said, I've never been sick. You know, and, and really, that's when we start, when we get sick, when we get told, you know, you got six months to live, man. You know, it was funny. One of the things that was, was said in this, in this movie that Morgan Freeman said, he said, you know, I, they, they did a poll and 95% of the people said they don't want to know the day that they die. 5% said they do. Morgan Freeman said, I, I like to think that I fall into that 5% because at least I know how much time is left. I don't, I don't want to know, folks. And he, said, and he said in the movie, you know, he said, when I did find out when it was, he said, I wasn't real happy about it. <laughs> so I, I, guess, I guess he recants his, his statement, but uh, I digress. So, so here you've got these two people, and, and there, it really is a great view on how we should live our lives. Reminds me of a story I heard a while back. I mean, um, here's this guy and he's, he'd been working and working and working. You ever wanted something real bad and you work real hard for it and you finally get it and somebody down the street gets something a little bit better, gets the newer version or the prettier color or whatever. So this guy had been working to get a Rolls Royce, you know, and he finally, man, after working for years and years, he climbed the corporate ladder and he finally got himself a Rolls Royce. And he's driving down the street, just drove it off the lot. He's driving down the street. And there's a guy in, a, in, another, in another luxury car pulls up next to him and looks at him, fixing his hair. Yeah, I'm in my Rolls Royce, dude. Finally got it. Guy rolls down the window and says, yeah, you like it? He goes, yeah. He goes, but that's nothing compared to my car. Guy in the Rolls Royce says, what do you mean, man? Are you, are you kidding? You got a cell phone in that, role, in that car? He goes, yeah, I got a cell phone. He goes, well, you got a satellite receiver in that car? He says, yeah, got a satellite. He says, yeah, but you don't have a fax in that car that I got in my Rolls Royce. He says, oh, yeah, I do. So the guy in the other, in the other car he shoots back at him. He says, well, you got a TV in your Rolls Royce? He says, absolutely, I got a TV. I got cable. I got all kinds of stuff in my Rolls Royce. I got internet connection. He says, yeah, yeah, I got all that. He said, but do you have a bed in your Rolls Royce? I said, no, I don't. 
So you have a bed in that car? He said, yeah, man. He said, oh, man, he was, that was it. It The the car was all. He went back to the dealer. He said, I don't care what it costs. He said, I want a bed in my Rolls Royce. So the dealer said, okay, you know, whatever, every, every lunatic, you know, and, uh, and, uh, and uh, the, 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 there's a saying in Spanish that, uh, that, 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 that talks about uh, lunatics and, and their desires, but uh, it slips my mind at this moment. But uh, it, it, they finally put the, 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 the bed in the, the Rolls Royce. So he's driving around and he's driving around and he finally, you know, he pulls up to this one place and he sees that sports, you know, that, 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 other, that other luxury car sitting there. And, you know, there's music, and, and the, the windows are, are fogged up. They're tinted, you know. And, 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 he, and he pulls up next to the guy. He goes, hey! Nobody hears him. Hey! So he goes, and he knocks on the window. And, he, and the guy finally comes out, and he says, hey! I got a bed in my Rolls Royce. The guy says, man, you got me out of the shower for that? <laughs> it's never-ending, folks. It's never ending. He who dies with the most toys wins. I used to live by that. I used to know. I mean, how many people have ever seen that movie, Wall Street? Greed is good. No, greed is not good, man. It's going to kill you. It's going to kill you. You know, I was was contemplating today and listening to somebody um, do a teaching, and they, they said something that was pretty profound. Do you know that happiness is not ever in the Bible? Nowhere. The word happiness is not there. My friend said, well, what about joy? Yeah, well, joy is different. Remember, happiness depends on what happens, right? And, and realize that joy comes from the Lord. Do you realize that God made us to worship Him? God said to be holy. He don't care if you're happy. Be holy, man. If you're holy, then you've got a great relationship with God. And if you've got a great relationship with God, then you've got the righteousness. And guess what? You're going to be joyful. But no, he who dies with the most toys wins. Right? And then what happens? Oh, man. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It is appointed to men once to die. And after this, the judgment. Oh, the judgment. Well, what does that judgment mean? One judgment is called the Bema judgment. And the Bema judgment is, as as we've talked about before, is kind of an exciting time. When you die, you immediately go to the Bema judgment. And And the Bema seat of judgment was a place in Corinth that used to that the, that the that the Romans used to go and they would judge people and then they would judge athletes and if athletes had done a particularly good job in the Olympics or what have you they would give them a you know they would give them a, an award and they would go to the bema seat so the bema seat was kind of a it was an exciting t- place to go it was you know a little well you know you you had a little trepidation because if you're going to go before the Lord and when we go before the bema seat of Christ you know it's going to our 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 works are going to be judged. So, you know, how many, you know, how many times did you, uh, you know, did you do this or did you do that? Or, or what did you do with the talents that God gave you? Do, do you realize that God, the talents, whatever talent you have, whether you're saved or not, they're given to you by God? You ever seen people that, that are, they have the gift of gab or they have the, the gift of, of, uh, of just of, of, of making money, man, or, or the, the, the gift of helps, that, that's, those aren't just Christian gifts. 
Those are talents that God gives to his creation. Whatever you do with those is what happens when, what, that's what's judged at this Bema seat. Okay, and, and basically what God, what, what the Bible says is that they're, they're tested by fire to see if they, they will stand or not. In, uh, in Revelation, you don't, you don't have to turn there. It says, and I saw the great and small before the throne and the books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. See, this is the thing, is when you die, books are going to be open. And then the dead are going to be judged, and so are you. But the dead will be judged later in what's called the Great White Throne Judgment. And the Great White Throne Judgment is going to take place after the millennial reign of Christ. So what happens? So how does this work? Let's, let's lay it out, okay? So you die, right? You've, le you've lived your life. He who dies with the most toys wins. Well, you die, and basically you, your soul goes to hell and awaits, awaits the judgment, the great white throne judgment. What, well, then what happens? I mean, everybody, everybody hears this gospel about, well, if you die, you're going to go to hell, and th that's not the end of it, folks. If you, <laughs> once the great white throne judgment comes, then guess what? Then you're going to be thrown, the Bible says, into the lake of fire for purification. And we're not going to go down that road right now, but that's, that's basically what's waiting for the person who says, he who dies for the with the most toys wins. That's a form of judgment. And that's called judgment in the scripture, but it is not the Bema judgment that we're going to experience. The Bema judgment, it's going to be a, uh, a judgment of uh, your life and what you did with your life the other is going to be a judgment that basically they're going to look at the books and say, did you, what did you do with your life? Well, I got myself a Rolls Royce. I had a bed in it. <laughs> that's, not, that's not what God wants to hear when you go for your judgment. On the other hand, for us, what did you do? Well, I did this and I did that. And, I, and, 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 and Jesus said, you did well with the talents I gave you. Come into my, uh, come into my rest. You've been faithful with very few things. Now I'm going to give you many things. So here you've got here you've got uh, Morgan Freeman again, and 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 back to uh, and you've got uh, Jack Nicholson, and you know they they talk about they talk about different things. They go and and you know one had never traveled. Morgan Freeman never traveled. He went to go see the the beautiful creations of the world, and and they talk about how how uh, how you know their their lives had taken different turns and. And Morgan Freeman ex explained how, you know, how he, he had always wanted to go to this place and that place. And, and, uh, and Jack Nicholson says, well, let's, let's do it. Let's go. He says, no, you're kidding. Yeah, let's go. So they, they do that. And they start on this trip. And, and, and as they go, Jack Nicholson gets to know about Morgan Freeman's wife. And, and as he starts talking about his wife and about his children and how Jack Nicholson refers to his old relationship as the sequel... <laughs> You know, that, that, that's, that's a pretty sad way to refer to one of God's most sacred uh, institutions, which is marriage. You know, marriage wasn't created by man, y'all. It was created totally by God. In the book of Genesis, it says that God gave the woman to Adam. And God gave you your wife, you see. And what, we're, what are we supposed to do? Well, we're supposed to love our wives like God loved the church, okay? And how do we do that? Well, the way we do that is by sacrificing 
for her by believing through all things. The, Bible, uh, the, the, the scripture says in Corinthians that, that love believes all things, trusts all things, endures all things. And this is really what God wants us to do when it comes to our family and the way that, that, we, that we love each other and the way that we deal with each other because it's just not about how many toys you have when you die. What are you measured by? I mean, do you, do you have a great job? You know, but because of your great job, you don't have time to go and watch the stars with your children? Do you have a, a great car, a beautiful car? But because it's such an expensive car, you have to work two jobs to be able to keep up the bills. For what? For what? You can't take any of that stuff with you. My, I used to have a friend named Tommy who said, hey man, I never, I never seen a U-Haul attached to a hearse. <laughs> Which means you can't take it with you, man. I mean, when that Bema seat comes... When that Bema seat comes, what are, what are you going to do? What measured your life? I mean, I could sit here and talk for the next hour about what measured your life, but it really just comes down to that simple thing. What did you live for? What did you want out of your life? The mistake that we make as people is believing that our lives are our own. The only reason that we're out there not knowing what to do and not knowing where to go is because back in the garden, Adam and Eve screwed it up. They destroyed that relationship we had with God. Then the Father sent His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. And by His sacrifice, then we can restore our relationship back to the Father so that He can have the life that He gave you back again. The Father wants to enjoy your company. He doesn't want you to do it. Oh, I got to do it, man. I got I, I got a goal. I, I, I got a goal, man. I want to do this. Why? You've got a heavenly Father. Do you think, do you think that Donald Trump's kids have goals? No, man. They pick up the phone and they call dad and they say, I want. But the scripture says, if you being evil, give your children good things, what more is it that your heavenly Father who loves you, who gave his son for you, will give you great things, will give you the desires of your heart that are according to his will. So what's your desire today? Is it a new car? I'm not going to sit here and preach that, that new gospel that says that Jesus wants everybody to have a Rolls Royce and everybody to have an Armani suit and have a, a million dollar a year job. That's just not true. Everybody has to have a different position in life. But again, the Bible doesn't say anything about happiness. It talks about joy. And joy is something that is dependent on your relationship with God. Ultimately, it is not based on your relationship to your boss and what happens with him and if he gave you a raise. or this. No, keep your eyes focused on the Lord. God wants to be in your life, in every aspect of it. So that when you get to that Bema seat, he says, hey, Mikey, what's up, man? Long time no see. <laughs> Not. When you die, it should just be a transition from what you feel in the Spirit today. When you're, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you feel the presence of the Lord with you all the time. You feel the, the love of the Almighty God with you all the time. And, and He's ministering to you. And all that should happen when you die and you go to that Bema Seat of Judgment 
is now what you've seen in the Spirit, well, now you're in the Spirit with it. And now you're experiencing it face to face. And all the things that you wondered about when you were here are all answered. It should be a time of joy. Sure, it's going to be a little apprehensive. I know that I've never, I've never gone before the Lord and felt cocky. <laughs> yeah, God, here I am, dude. I, I know you've been waiting for me for a long time. And I've, I, I finally decided, God, you know, you need me. No, God doesn't need me for anything. So when I go before the Lord, it's always, Lord, how can I serve you? Thank you for even accepting me in your presence. And the Lord, said, I'm sure he smiles and he says, hey, I, I want you in my presence all the time. As a matter of fact, I, I wish you gave me more of your time. Some of us, especially those of us who work in, in, in ministry, we're so busy working for God. I've got to work for God. I've got to work for Jesus. That we don't have time to spend with God. And God just wants us to hang out with him. He can, he, he can build the world in seven days, I'm sure. He can, I'm sure he can fix any problem that you're going to sit there and spin your wheels over for, you know, for weeks and weeks and weeks. God can fix it in a heartbeat. You know, the goal, the goal, and it's written in Matthew 25, 21, should be well done, good and faithful service. Right? Paul, Paul said in Philippians 3, 8, Everything I ever had, I count it all as nothing. Actually, the interpretation is I call it all dung. When you really start to get a revelation of what God wants to be in your life, what he wants to give you, what he wants to show you, how he wants to fellowship with you as a father does a son or a daughter, when you really start to realize that, then you start, just like Paul, you say, you know what, anything I had, before I came to Jesus, I counted as dung. It really doesn't matter how many toys I wanted, <laughs> how, many, how many luxury cars I wanted. All I want, Lord, is what you want for me. That, that's all I want. And what do you want for me? Well, you want to fellowship with me. You want to hang out with me. Well, that's all I want with you, is to hang out with you. And, and, and if, by the way, if you want to bless me, if you want to give me a beautiful wife and a wonderful family and a good job. Hey, I'll take them. I'll take anything God has to offer. And you know what? The scripture says that he has good plans for us, plans not to harm us, plans for good. But ultimately, all of that is second, third, fourth, fifth, whatever, whatever number you want to put it. But God is first. Establish a relationship with him. You understand? You should measure yourself by the way, people measure themselves by you. How many people have you shown the face of your Heavenly Father through you? How many times have you shared Jesus with someone this week? I invite you to go out and do it. You don't need to be a Bible scholar to do it. Just tell them, hey man, you know, <clears throat> one time I was lost. And now, well, when, when I go through things like what you're going through right now, I don't wonder about why this is happening to me anymore. I, I really just, I just get on my knees and I say, Lord, I, I don't understand what's going on here right now, but I trust you. You see, I, I can sit here and, and I can go to Bible college and I can go to, 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 to seminary and get a degree in, in theology and everything else. But at the end of the day, 
What really gets people to understand the gospel is seeing it in your life, is seeing it in your face, seeing it in the face of your family, seeing it in the face of your employees, seeing it in the face of your friends that know you, that say, you know, this is a man or a woman of God. This is someone that I know that if I go to them and I say, you know, I'm having trouble at home with my wife, they're not going to say, well, I know this girl I can introduce you to. That'll make you forget about your wife for a while. They're going to say, you know, can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for her? Let's, let's bring this before the Lord and, and see what the Lord would say. See, because our job as Christians is not to say, look at me. It's say, look at him. Look at him. Everything we do in our lives should point to Jesus. Everything. You don't know the answer to this? Jesus. Sorry, man, that's the only answer I got for you. I, I know that you get kind of, you may get a little frustrated by hearing it, but you know what? Jesus, Jesus knows the answer, and all he's doing is waiting for you to ask him. Right? So this is what we need to do. Measure ourselves by our relationship with him. And when you get there, you're going to hear those wonderful words. Good job. Well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? Amen. Amen.